Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome back to TFR for a good one. The David Cohen, co-founder of Techstars, joins us today. David is credited as the visionary behind the largest global accelerator. What started as a small group of fledgling companies in Boulder, Colorado, has now grown to over 150 countries, over 1,300 alumni companies, and more than $5 billion raised. In this episode, David and I discuss the original vision, how it's evolved, the Techstars Ventures Fund, and potential for bad signaling, how they measure success, where they stack up against other top accelerators, why they started the remote program, founders that have negative experiences, and finally, we get David's insights after the last 10 years running the program. I think you'll enjoy this one. Here's the interview with David Cohen. Founder and co-CEO of Techstars, David Cohen, joins us today on the program. David is one of the founding fathers of The Accelerator and the modern early stage startup investing movement. He's invested in hundreds of startups, including Uber, Twilio, SendGrid, Full Contact, and Sphero, accounting for over $80 billion in value. Prior to Techstars, David was a founder of multiple tech companies, two of which he led to successful exits. David, it's a huge pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Nick. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I've heard you and, and Bradfeld talk about sort of the origin story of Techstars. Um, could you talk through what the original vision was? For, for the program when you when you first started? Sure, I'll try to do that. I mean, uh, before that, maybe I'll just briefly cover the business prior to that. Um, one of the ones that, that we had worked for us, uh, which was called Penpoint Technologies, we sold it to a public company called Zoll. And when my co-founder and co-CEO here at Techstars, David Brown, wrote about that company, uh, the book was titled No Vision, All Drive. <laughs> uh, and I would say uh, Techstars is quite similar in terms of, you know, kind of the vision for it early on. We didn't really have a cohesive vision. We were really just driven to do a couple of things specifically. One, you know, make the entrepreneurial community here in Boulder better over a long period of time. So we took a very long view on what that meant uh, and thought, how could we impact the, the startup community here? Uh, because we were, you know, angel investors uh, in the community. There wasn't that much going on. There was some good stuff going on, but we wanted it to be more and better over a long period of time. And the second motivation was, you know, 
outside outside making the community better was really just finding a better way to do early stage you know angel investing we were sort of fed up with the notion of going to a coffee shop and meeting an entrepreneur and hearing the pitch and deciding to invest uh, and then not really having much engagement or influence over that company or really knowing much about what's going on until they needed money again so you know it created a more hands-on way to do early stage investing, you know, through Techstars, and also we think had a big impact on the local startup community, which we then over time turned into this vision of creating this worldwide network to help entrepreneurs succeed, realizing that network value is really the big thing that could, you know, could add a lot to the outcomes. Did you have the uh, sort of the structure and the, the cohort and all that planned in from the beginning or did that sort of evolve over time? Yeah, it's it's remarkably similar um, to the way it works today. Um, we still have been very focused on you know, small class sizes of just 10 companies. So although we fund over 400 companies a year now and are, are very scaled up, uh, we do that across 40 accelerator programs uh, globally in 13 countries. So, you know, the, the class sizes stayed the same. It worked very well early on. It was less money back then. Um, I think you got, you know, something like twelve or $18,000 in the early days. And, of course, now it's more like $120,000. Uh, per company. So a little bit more cash to kind of get off the ground and going, but the structure and the mentorship approach of, of leveraging the community, not having it just be about a few of us and then scaling it out, you know, 10 companies at a time around the world has proven to be a really nice scalable way to grow the business. What else has changed in the model? Um, you know, obviously the, the network is much more valuable. There are now 3,500 mentors around the world. Um, you know, Pretty much every venture firm out there, uh, you know, has invested in a Techstars company and, and just, you know, huge relationships. We're now sourcing somewhere around 5% of all the Series A's that happen in the U.S. So I think the scale and the geographic footprint are, are really the fundamental differences. Um, yeah, I mentioned amount of capital. That's relatively minor. But really, we've taken a model and we've scaled it. You know, the, the, that's on the accelerator side. With Techstars more broadly, you know, we have added the venture capital platform since the early days, so we have more capital to follow on. Uh, and we also, of course, run, you know, a thousand events a year around the world uh, to inspire entrepreneurship. Um, Startup Weekend and Startup Week are now part of the Techstars family as well. Well, we certainly qualify as a, a venture firm that's invested in Techstars companies. <laughs> We've got, we invested in a company called Geobit out of Techstars Chicago. and. Sure. Uh, even funded uh, Brian Lurison's new company, DraftBit. He's a uh, former MD of the Techstars program. That's right. So you don't like them unless they start, unless they end, <laughs> end, end in bit, it sounds like. Is yeah, that right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Got it. Okay. Uh, we'll keep that in mind for the next uh, group of companies. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So you mentioned Techstars Ventures. Um, is there any concern that you know it sends a, an adverse signal if you're investing in certain cohort companies but not, but not others? Well, it's, it's a great question, and it's one that I think, you know, as part of the evolution of figuring out, you know, the right way to structure all this, um, you know, I think we figured that out in a nice way. First off, we invest in every Techstars company, so the fund is integrated uh, at the accelerator level, and that's a big part of how we use the capital. So we're, you know, as companies come into the accelerator, it's our capital that they're getting, 
Um, and in some cases, we'll split that with a, a partner. You know, we run accelerator programs for folks like Amazon and, and Target and many others. Um, but generally, it's our capital that we're putting up. So we're on all of them. Uh, in terms of the follow-on signaling question, we get that a lot. Um, we're, we're more of a, a you know a co-investor. So if someone like yourself or another firm comes along and is putting capital into uh, one of our companies at a later stage, you know, we may decide to to put a little in alongside them. Often, that's just you know more or less maintaining our ownership. Um, so we're usually not the biggest investor, and we're certainly not usually the lead investor. So that helps us to avoid those kind of signaling challenges. It's more what those companies can do in the market, and where we see an opportunity to sort of participate as they uh, you know raise more capital over time. Got it. Makes sense. And what does winning look like for you guys? You know, how do you measure success? Well, more entrepreneurs succeeding. Um, I, I think that that's what we're all about. I, I mentioned at the top, you know, Techstars is really the worldwide network to help entrepreneurs succeed. And that's our goal. We want to do that uh, all around the world. We know that uh, great entrepreneurs aren't just concentrated in one geography. And if you look at the macro trends, this is really uh, you know, increasing over time. More and more uh, notable companies being started all over the world, all over our country. Uh, and we want to be a part of those communities. Our, our data shows us really clearly that although a lot of large companies, you know, grow up in places like Boston or New York or Silicon Valley, uh, most of them don't start in these places. Um, right. So we want to get to them where they're starting, help them when they're young and then participate in their journey as they grow with the with the ultimate goal of there being more and more great startup communities around the world, producing more and more entrepreneurial success because we believe that that entrepreneurial success creates a better future for everyone. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I saw some some recent stats that showed that while the volume of coastal startups is much higher, the actual return profile and uh, success metrics have been stronger in some of the the underserved regions. Well, that is part of the the strategy, right? I think also as an investor, you're you're sort of uh, I'm not sure you're getting discount, but you're sort of not necessarily overpaying or being in as many competitive deals with other funds at that early stage. Um, And so, you know, I think about a market like Boulder where where we started, um, there's some great firms here, but certainly nowhere near as many angels or or VCs as in, you know, some of those coastal locations. And so that allows us to get in early at a reasonable price, help them grow, leverage our network uh, to connect them to that later stage capital. David, do you guys track the common VC fund metrics like TVPI, DPI, RRR, et cetera? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we have an institutional base of of LPs, and you know, we've sort of look like a normal venture fund in that sense, and, yeah. and need to track all that stuff. Got it. And uh, so, how do you compare yourself against the other top accelerators? Um, you know, where do you think you excel? No pun intended. <laughs> well, just so everybody knows, the way the accelerator market uh, shapes up, and this this data may be about a year old now. I haven't looked at uh, an update, but. You know, about 11% of all Series A's in the U.S. Uh, come through one of the top three accelerator brands. Um, Techstars is at about 5% of that every year. Y Combinator is right around 5% of that every year. And then you have 500 startups who does a great job. It's around 1%. Then you have a very long tail uh, of, of, as you know, thousands of other things. Some some are really not accelerators. They they call themselves that, but they do different things or more like an incubator. Um, and, and that 11%, again, comes from the top three. So if you look at everybody else combined, it's sort of under 1%. So just in terms of where the deals are coming from, 
Um, I think, you know, y, y Combinator and 500 are doing a good job in the Bay Area and Techstars is really sourcing uh, mostly around the world and throughout the rest of the U.S. Uh, pretty effectively. When we think about, you know, differentiation, uh, we think, look, all of, the, all of these uh, accelerator programs do a great job. Um, you know, I think geography is a big differentiation for us. We believe, again, that great startups are created everywhere. We want to participate full time in those communities. So our 40 managing directors who support us are actually in, you know, New York and Austin and Chicago and, and L.A. and Berlin, right, Singapore and so on participating in a very genuine way in those communities every single day. We're not showing up and doing a deal once in a while. We live there, right? So I think geographically, um, we are networked into these communities in a powerful way. I mentioned that class size. You know, we're not trying to go and fund 100 companies in a room at one time. Um, that doesn't work in my mind. You don't really help them all. Um, we want to give a lot of attention, sort of like where you'd want to send your kids, right? Um, you'd want them to go somewhere where they have a lot of attention, a lot of focus, uh, in a school, and we do something similar with Techstars uh, with, with our focus in small class sizes. And, you know, ultimately, I think it's it's like anything. If you were I – don't, I don't mean to make too many university comparisons. We're certainly not like a university. It's not a curriculum. It's, it's really tailor-made for each company. But when you really think about um, a university that you might end up picking or an accelerator, a lot of it has to do with, with their values and their culture. Um, and again, no judgment, but ours is pretty specific around the notion of give first, you know, be helpful, um, you know, don't have an expectation of return. And I think that is an attitude that, uh, is why we have so many great mentors involved and, and why our alumni come back and help each other and create a really, you know, virtuous cycle long-term. So, so speaking of your global reach and, um, you, you sort of brought up this university analogy, um, you guys started Techstars Anywhere in 2017, and I think you had the first full class in 18. Um, how does one run a remote accelerator with the same quality of an in-person one? You know, kind of comparing the the in-person university to some of the um, some of the uh, online universities that have emerged. Yeah, Nick. Well, you know that's a good question, and that's what we're trying to figure out. Um, I, I'm not sure you can do it in exactly the same way. I mean, you know, we're making some pretty you know, large investments in the technology. Um, you were trying not to just make it, you know, a bunch of video conferences and we're experimenting with, with lots of fun stuff. Um, but ultimately the question is, can it work as well? Because it's a way to reach more entrepreneurs. And one of the interesting things about it is it does have a little bit lower cost profile, right? When you use the technology, um, you don't necessarily need an office, for example. Um, we still do a demo day and we still do um, you know, some getting together of that class of companies. But certainly it, it's a little bit less expensive to make those investments. And so, you know, if we can get a little bit of leverage there, then we can reach more entrepreneurs. But we are very focused uh, on our other values, right, which is, you know, quality before quantity. So we've been very cautious, as you mentioned, the first class was just three or four companies, uh, this is the first full class, and we're going to really evaluate afterwards how that's working. So far, yeah, numbers look pretty good. They look pretty similar to our other companies. They, they, you know, maybe don't have the exact same uh, experience, but we try to augment that by plugging them in at the beginning, middle, and end with physical uh, groups of people, each other, their mentors, uh, et cetera, as much as possible. But it, it's a challenge, and it's one that we're trying to figure out through experimentation. Is that a separate application process, or um, are they considered for a, a location-based Techstars um, program uh, as well as the Anywhere program? 
Yeah, when you apply to Techstars, you select a location and it's treated like a location, right? You can say, you know, Chicago, New York, or anywhere. Um, we tend to be taking companies in the uh, Anywhere program that are, are companies that are maybe impacted by, you know, an immigration issue, for example, in, in, in the U.S. Or, um, you know, have a family issue where they simply can't pick up and travel uh, for some reason. And so, you know, it, it so far has tended to be companies that, that for whatever reason, you know, wouldn't be able to physically be somewhere. And that's, it's turned out that um, most of the companies that have gotten in have applied to the traditional physical locations. Um, and they've been really interesting, but, you know, we sort of run into a roadblock with them and directed them at, at anywhere. Gotcha. So David, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Some founders do not have a positive experience going through Techstars or or other accelerators, for that matter. Um, what type of founder is the program a great fit for, and what type of founder is it is it not the best fit for? Sure, you know. So we've learned over the years. You know, we we have this sort of set deal. Um, you know, where we're investing a set amount of money, and there's a, a, a set um, you know equity exposure as an investment to the company. Um, what we traditionally heard in the early years is, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur that I'm a little bit farther along in my career. Uh, I'm, you know, maybe done a few things, have a network, you know, maybe had an exit or I've already raised a million bucks or five million bucks. And so therefore, you know, tech stars wouldn't be a fit for me. And, you know, that always didn't feel right to us because we felt like we could drive the value uh, for, for, you know, people who have had those networks and experiences before. Um, and so we created, I don't know, must be four or five years ago, um, we just decided to, to sort of leverage the give first value and think, how, what would that mean in the world of equity investing? And we created the equity back guarantee. And, you know, we haven't been super loud about it from a marketing perspective, um, as we're not with most things. You know, we're, we're more the perform and do a good job type than the wave our arms around type. But we have this thing called equity back guarantee. And if you go through a Techstars accelerator and it, it doesn't provide the value, then, you know, at the end of the program, you just say how much equity you want back and you return a commensurate amount of money. Um, and no questions asked, right? All we want is feedback. And, and what we learn by doing that is when does that happen, right? So it happens about one and a half percent of the time, um, right? Where somebody comes back and says, I don't feel like I got, you know, everything I was expecting here. Hmm. Usually we blow people away, right? And they're, you know, they're, they're thrilled to have done it, but occasionally it happens. And what we found is, is much of the time when that happens, not all of it, um, has to do with, with bad expectation setting on the front end. And it's often in the context of our partnership programs. So again, I mentioned at the top, you know, we run uh, accelerators that are thematic, vertically focused, you know, Barclays is FinTech and Amazon is voice and AI, right? And Ford is mobility and, you know, Comcast and so on, right? We have all these partners where we run these focused programs for them. And what we were seeing early on is that more experienced entrepreneurs were coming into them uh, folks like you know Paul Barbarian, right, of, of Sphero, who'd taken companies public before, was was now running this company called Sphero and wanted to go to our Disney accelerator program, right? And uh, that's someone who you normally maybe wouldn't attract, but the fact that it's with that partner and you're able to meet, you know, Bob Iger in that case, right, the CEO there, and and have all this advantage attracts people, even though they have a bit more network and a bit more experience. Um, the issue is when they have an expectation that they will definitely get a deal. Right. And so I think we're much more careful now about saying, look, it's an opportunity to get a deal. We're not promising you that you're going to have some distribution 
or IP license or something like that with the partner, but you're going to be exposed to the best mentors in the world in that thematic area. In this case, you have Disney, the best storytellers in the world, right? And, and an incredible amount of IP. And for Sphero, it worked out great. They you know, got the BB-8 license and uh, Lightning McQueen and other licenses out of that deal, and it was super valuable. And most of the time, that's the case. But usually when we see someone saying, I didn't get what I wanted, it's because they had some false expectations. So we've gotten a lot better at making sure people know, you know why they're doing this, which is access to network, exposure to investors, and help with the business. Got it. You know, I've I've noticed both from you, uh, from Techstars, even from Brad, that there's been a nice focus on mental health and wellness. I'd like to get your thoughts on that area as an opportunity for founders that are that are innovating in that space. Uh, meaning for them to be entrepreneurial around that. I think it is interesting. Um, I've seen a few tools, but not many. Um, you know, just sort of monitoring what people are saying and how they're saying it. And with all the interesting things going on with machine learning, all right, and natural voice processing, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to uh, identify it. I, you know, we, we haven't seen that in our world much. If it, there's anything out there that, um, you know, sort of does that kind of thing, I'd be super interested in seeing it. Um, we have, you know, seen it in some other areas, right, where it's being applied to, to different situations like, you know, security in the world, right, and terrorism and things like that, where you can detect issues before they happen. Um, and it's, it sure is an interesting possibility to you know, maybe get the right help to the right people at the right time. Um, one thing that, that we started doing lately is um, we, we do have this thing called Fail Club, um, which we run regularly uh, inside the network. Uh, anyone who feels like they have failed, might fail, or is scared of failing, um, that often has a lot to do with mental health, not always. Um, you know, we invite them to just come and talk. And sometimes we're able to pick up on things a little bit early there and, and try to get some help to them. But I, I do think it's really an interesting area for entrepreneurship. Yeah, my wife turned me on to this app called uh, 10% Happier. And it's a, it's a meditation app. But I, I just noticed the other day that they closed a, a large funding round. So that was, that was kind of interesting and, and fun to see. Yep. And it's, it's cool. I mean, I think, you know, happier is one thing and, and, and not going the wrong direction is the other thing. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the, you know, their, their title and their target at 10%. That seems, seems like a reasonable uh, improvement. So um, another sector I kind of wanted to get your quick take on is uh, the cannabis industry. Um, I know you, you're based in Boulder and love to hear your thoughts on this sector and opportunities for founders. And if uh, Texas has made um, or brought in some some cohort companies that that are focused there. Yeah, so you know, Colorado was one of the early states to sort of get to legalization. Um, people often ask, you know, what has it changed about about Boulder? From my perspective, I've been here, you know, twenty some years now. Um, I, I would say that people drive slower, uh, <laughs> more <laughs> safely, and uh, you know, there's a few more people sort of passing through town, um, you know, hanging out because it's a fun place to be, right? Yeah. Um, you know, people that maybe don't have anywhere else to be and and are just, you know, chilling on the street, right? They, they can do that and have some fun while they're doing it. So, you know, it, 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 crime hasn't gone up, anything like that. Um, you know, that on the investment side, um, right now, we the way we're thinking about it is that um, it's more of a brand sort of issue. We have not done a lot in the space. Um, we've, we've done, for example, zero in pornography, not to compare it in any way, but just to think about some areas. Um, we've done a little bit in, 
you know, the cannabis industry where it's on the edge, meaning it possibly it's like infrastructure um, that touches that industry. We're, we're generally staying away from startups that are completely focused on the industry today because of, you know, the, the market is still developing. It's sort of not global. Um, and we like to, you know, invest in things that are you know, sort of enormous in potential. So we're keeping a close eye on it. We haven't done a whole lot. Uh, for those reasons, but um, as more and more places legalize it, it becomes less and less of an issue. I think you know we'll probably do a little bit more there. Yeah, it's been uh, about five years now since I lived in Colorado. Um, we were in Fort Collins for a few years, but um, I wasn't monitoring the data in any way. But just noticing the number of dispensaries and infrastructure going up around me that had uh, cannabis affiliated was uh, was interesting and. Uh, Definitely noticeable. Clearly, an industry that's that's in its maybe in its infancy, but yep. but in Colorado, you can you can see it. You can. There's there's more dispensaries than Starbucks by a lot. So it it's you know it's it's a run up. Um, like in any market where something new happens, you you have probably more op- uh, places opening than than will make it, and some consolidation that'll happen. But uh, I don't know. I still think coffee is uh, probably more popular. I'm just not totally <laughs> sure. Yeah. So. Uh, do more faster. I think you published in 2010 uh, one of the must-have books for for every founder. Super pragmatic, actionable insight. Um, what lesson or piece of advice doesn't appear in that book that now in 2018 you'd add as sort of a critical item for founders to appreciate as they're going through their journey? Gosh, there's, there's probably a lot. And actually, as we work through. Um, you know, sort of a refresh on it. I think we're, we're sort of working on a second edition. You know, we, we always, Brad and I always said we want to do, do more faster. And then we want to write, do even more faster. And then we want to write, do even more, even faster. <laughs> but we just, you know, it's hard to get to these things. Yeah. It turns out that writing is really uh, time consuming. So we're, we're working on a refresh to a second edition of, of the first book and, you know, just pulling out some of the dated things. You just got to write um, more faster, David. That's right. You got to write more faster. <laughs> Um, but it, it turns out that uh, even though we, we sort of crowdsource the book um, to you know our mentors and, and alumni, uh, you, you, they all write differently and you end up having a unified voice and tie it together. So it's actually more work uh, to do it that way. But you know I, I think um, a couple things I'd probably amplify um, you know more is you know one thing I think we we missed is is sort of leveraging you know other resources around you, universities, uh, government, you know, I think, I think the attitude in 2010 was, ah, you know, government's just in the way. Right. And I think as we refresh it, you know, maybe there's a a few things like, you know, um, you know, non-dilutive grants, things like that, that we could talk a little bit about. It's actually how I built my first company through uh, more of a royalty based uh, approach, royalty based financing. So, you know, not everybody has to raise venture capital not everybody should raise venture capital, I think is, is one dimension that, that I'd like to add to the book. Yep. Um, just as an example, but there are many and, uh, you know, I won't run all surprises, but we, we hope to have that, uh, second edition out, um, you know, hopefully next year or so. So Techstars FounderCon Europe 2018 was a couple weeks ago, I think. Um, yeah. what would you say is the biggest difference you found when working with European startups versus those that are based in the U S you know, we hear a lot that, um, there's a style difference. I, I think it's changing. I think it's becoming more like what we see in the U S in places like, uh, London and Berlin, uh, Paris, you know, we operate now sort of the, 
hey, you know, look at me, look what I've done, kind of social proof stuff is sometimes um, just culturally off and it's feeling to people. And so we've had to, you know, learn how to, to, to get people to want to help you uh, and to not come off as, as maybe classically arrogant or American, however you want to think about it. Um, which we sometimes hear, right? And I think walking in and saying, "Hey, I, I built this thing, and I've already got you know three hundred thousand users, and I'm already at this." It's sort of, it's sort of shocking to uh, a lot of people from from other cultures. And again, I think Europe uh, and the UK are um, sort of getting to a place where it's more normal to just be you know, sort of direct and, and straightforward. Um, places, you know around the world outside of Europe, I still see that as, as a large challenge. I was just speaking to someone, giving me some feedback on our program in Dubai. Um, and they said, you know, great program, lots of, of great connectivity to sort of modern construction and city building, right. Which is what they were focused on. Um, but you know, it seemed like if they led with their accomplishments, people didn't want to help them. And they learned that they had to lead with, you know, humility and what they were trying to do in the world, which by the way is, is not bad advice in general. No. Uh, <laughs> right. But I think that, that sort of the, the, and again, I don't mean to over-stereotype, but the American way, which translates into the Techstars way, and I'm sure it's true of most of us, right? We, we like to walk in and, and, you know, sort of impress people and blow them away wherever we can and maybe position uh, aggressively how great things are going. And I think sometimes that's, you know, been felt as, as a turnoff around the world that we've had to learn from. Interesting. David, what do you think Techstars looks like in five years? Um... Well, I think we'll we'll have some more um, diversification of our of our products. Um, you know, I think right now, you know, much of what we do is really you know the accelerator, and I think um, you know both in scale and scope, sort of having impact at different stages uh, is the goal. So. You know, if you're going to help entrepreneurs succeed, it's not just getting them off the ground. It's it's helping them as they grow. And a lot of our companies, you know, they go and raise an A round or a B round, and maybe they get into a struggle with their board or with their situation. And I think we can be helpful in in those uh, circumstances as well, hmm. with the network and and almost having SWAT teams that can come in and um, you know sort of have impact at a later stage and and help that board or help that that CEO. Um, and of course, talent, you know, I think it's something that, that we're massively exposed to around the world. We have, you know, a hundred thousand people a year going through startup weekend that are interested in entrepreneurship. Um, we need to drive some of that talent that wants to be plugged into entrepreneurial companies, you know, through the network that, that can be later stage. So, and I certainly think you'll see us in more countries. I mean, I think we'll be in at least 20 uh, countries investing by then. And we're already on 150, uh, with our community development events. So that'll probably grow a little bit as well. You know, I hear VCs saying that uh, often they they should have done a better job of cutting their losses. So those startups in their portfolio that are are going sideways and, and not working out, they should have spent less time with them and more time with uh, the winners. Um, you know, something you just said there about kind of, you know, your focus on helping startups throughout the stages and uh, um, getting involved with a variety of different issues. You know, it made me think that you guys have a lot of volume, right? There's um, only 10 startups per cohort, but you've, you've got great rep- representation across verticals and, and geos and, and horizontals. Um, you know, how do you budget your time and think about, you know, 
which which startups to work with because you know often it's the ones that are struggling that are reaching out for a lot of help. Often it is. Uh, you know, if I if I look on my my WhatsApp or whatever right now, I'm sure I have one or two of them that you know are struggling in some way. And you know, you, you mentioned the top. You know, we're investing in hundreds of companies. It's you know we're over fifteen hundred now, right? And then I have my personal portfolio from before that. So you know, it, it's high volume, but I think you know you sort of look at uh, you know. When we get that question, the LP community, I know you have a lot of listeners that are, you know, maybe LPs that invest in funds as well. Um, you know, they look at it and they say, well, this this doesn't look like the conventional, you know, venture fund that I invest in. How do you keep up with all this stuff? So we, we do get that question a lot. Um, you know, the answer is, um, you know, we're not a traditional fund and we don't have a, tra- a traditional strategy. Um, you know, we are over 200 people uh, as part of the answer. You know, in each of these communities, we have two or three people uh, that are physically uh, next to the companies that, that we're funding and helping them. And then we have a mentor community that we can leverage as board members and, and, and whatnot. So um, I personally, you know, try to spend my time on high value stuff, but I believe that um, it's high value to help an entrepreneur who's struggling. Right. And so I'll try to limit my time on it. I'll try to have some high level uh, advice and feedback for them. And then I'll get them to, for example, our corp dev group, right? Which is five or six people, San Francisco based. They've managed 150 exits now, you know, maybe we can help that company find a soft landing and I have a team that can help me do that. So, you know, I, I try to be responsive to everyone in the network, at least at a high level and then get them the right people internally. So unlike most venture funds, we're not just, you know, four or five partners and that's it. That's the resource we have. We we're surrounded by a cast of hundreds and then thousands of mentors that, are willing to jump in and be helpful. And so we try to leverage that resource wherever we can. If you were to do it all over again, what would you change? And I I won't let you say nothing. (laughs) That that implies that I would do this again. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth when you know how much work it is? (laughs) I I think, um, you know, the one thing that always comes to mind that uh, when people ask me, you know, if you're starting on day one, what would you do differently? I, and my answer is always, gosh, I'd have more ringers. Um, you know, <laughs> I think some of my competitors did a good, good job and sort of realized that if they, you know, offered big discounts, uh, to companies that were already up and going or, you know, slapped the label, uh, slapped their label on them. Um, even though they were already, you know, meaningful enterprises that it would sort of benefit them. And we, mm-hmm. we really didn't do that. We, we built it from scratch and, and had sort of this pure attitude about, um, helping entrepreneurs get to success. And I think, you know, uh, all of that really is in the, the world of marketing, which, you know, if you've talked to Brad, he likes to say, you know, the word marketing makes him throw up in his mouth a little bit. Um, it, it's, it's never been a heavy focus of ours to be, you know, great at telling our own story. And I think I would have put a lot more energy into that, you know, starting with a few ringers that I knew I could tell stories about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just being a little bit more, you know, loud and proud. It's not my personal, my personality personally. Um, and it hasn't been the companies. And I think that's an opportunity because a lot of people in the Bay area or, or, you know, different places around the world you know, may not know us as well as they know some of our competitors. And, and there's no reason for that given our performance. It's an interesting parallel. Um, I got my my start uh, with Angelus Syndicates, um, so we started one a few years ago, and um, I noticed that a lot of my peers ended up starting to carve out small allocations in Series A and Series B startups that were clearly winning. 
um, as opposed to doing sort of the early angel round, pre-seed round, early seed rounds. And um, we, we sort of stayed true to the pre-seed stuff. You know, we do all, all pre-seed deals and uh, um, it was a little harder because you don't have, you know, the who's who co-investor list on your group, which, uh, which makes the raise process easier on that platform. Um, but fortunately, you know, time heals, heals those things and the portfolio is doing well. So now, now we're in good shape, but, um, but yeah, I, th- I think I, I saw a parallel sort of with that phenomena. Uh, a lot of people just going for winners and sort of yeah. figuring out how to carve out a little allocation. Yeah. And I don't mean to minimize the success that others have had with that yeah. approach in yeah. a genuine way. Right. But I think it's something that, that, you know, while we've had success in the portfolio and, you know, we had the first ever accelerator company go public, right. In 2017, we've got plenty of you know, unicorn type companies, but I think, you know, having them earlier, right. Would have, um, you know, created the sort of what they used to call posters, right. In the, in the VC world. Um, we just didn't think about it and we have never had that sort of marketing focus until very recently. We, we really had no marketing people at all. In fact, so I feel like I didn't change. I feel like I didn't do my homework. So what was the first, uh, accelerator back company that went public in 17? Oh, uh, SunGrid. Oh yeah. Uh, so okay. Email, email infrastructure company. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yep. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. So, uh, David, what have you learned most about yourself through your experience at Techstars? Um, you know, I think it, it happens to be in a stage in, in my career, you know, I'm, I'm actually getting close to turning 50. Uh, I like to say that I'm barely in my forties, uh, right now. <laughs> um, people can misinterpret that however they like. Uh, and, and I think that's a part of a phase of your life where you, you, you get introspective and, and learn a lot about yourself. And I think mostly it's just how, you know, how I'm perceived by others. And, um, you know, I think you learn a lot, uh, by working with, with startups who are willing to tell you that, right. And, yeah. and of course you, you have all the tools uh, today to, to sort of understand how you interact with people. And so, um, you know, I, I, I've learned, uh, how to focus on my strengths and maybe just be aware of some of my weaknesses. And, um, I think that's an opportunity for everybody. I wish I would have done it earlier in my career. And I've, I've, you know, as an example, I've brought back my co-CEO, David Brown. I've started, uh, four different businesses with him across, you know, 25 or 30 years now. 
um, and you know brought him in here probably a little too late when the business was already scaling. We're probably fifty people now. We're a couple hundred. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm not that manager, right? I'm not that person who you know communicates information. You know. Uh, clearly internally gets everybody aligned, you know, builds a team. Uh, I'm more, let's go climb that mountain and strategy. And, and, you know, my co-CEO David has been much more, you know, execution and, and get stuff done operations. And I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I didn't know that about myself. So just learning, and it's a lesson for every founder, right? I mean, you, you're the founder and CEO of a thing. Um, you're probably not the forever CEO. There's probably a scaling CEO and there's probably a IPOing or, you know, late stage CEO at least. Um, there are rare exceptions of the Zuckerbergs in the world, but just sort of being introspective about what you're great at and filling your own gaps. Um, that's a lot of what I learned about in the last 10 or 15 years. Well, I'll say just from my experience, and I'm, I'm not trying to blow blow smoke at all here, but but. I've known David Brown now for a couple of years and I've known Brad for a few years. And uh, I don't think there's a group of people um, that practice what they preach more so than than the leadership team at Techstars as far as giving first and uh, being accessible and being helpful and um, just having uh, a really glowing reputation for, for the people that have worked closely with you guys for a long time. So here again, I'm, I'm not trying to to blow smoke, but, um, it's, it's important to note that on the show because I don't think that, that we could say that about, but everyone that's, that's participated. So, well, Nick, it, it means a ton to hear that. It's, it's really the most gratifying thing, um, that, that we can hear. And, you know, our values are really important to us. And, and I, I thought I had already sent you the check. I mean, do I owe you more? Is that, <laughs> is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the wire info. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. <laughs> David, if we could cover any topic here on the program, what topic do you think we should address and who would you like to hear speak about it? Um, I would love, uh, and I mentioned this on a few other interviews I've done, I, I would love to hear more about kind of the, 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 the realness of the industry that we all play in. Um, it's, it's been a hard industry for me to play in because – um, so much of it is about being showy and, and marketing yourself. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that's true and true of more industries, you know, but I, I love the shut up and perform type. Um, I always try to be that type and let the results speak for themselves. Um, whereas I feel like sometimes in our industry, whether it's attracting LPs or entrepreneurs, it's, you know, who could be the most hand wavy and, um, you know, have the next bright, shiny object. Um, and, and, you know, Maybe it's just sort of the topic of marketing and venture capital uh, from the perspective of limited partners who you attract and entrepreneurs who you attract. It's a great topic. I just had an entrepreneur that we'd made an offer to, and then he had a, a bigger name firm come in and make him an offer. And he was on the fence about who to go with. We'd been working with him for a few months. And I, I all I asked him is, can you just call a few entrepreneurs in, in each portfolio? And... uh he did that exercise, and um, fortunately, we're leading the round now. So, um, good. Yeah, you know, it's one of. The, but the other firm is definitely much more public and much more showy than us. So it's a, it's tough, tough call, tough call for him. David, uh, what investor has influenced you most, and why? Well, um, 
I gotta say, you know, it, it's it's the guys at, at Foundry. Um, we've been super fortunate to have uh, them as mentors and really good friends, and and it's a broad group there. Um, really, everyone, you know, Brad has has obviously had a huge personal influence on me. Uh, Jason Mendelson, uh, who's been around TechStars since day one. And you know Linda Leckman, who's who's over there now, um, running their fund of funds. You know they're they're an LP now as well, and other funds. Um, and and Lyndall is someone I've learned a ton from, sort of in how to think about you know your partners, your limited partners, and you know communicating with them, and and you know having uh, real relationships with them. Um, and so you know I think it's it's all of them. It's just an amazing group. And there's so many others in the industry, but when I really think about every day, you know we're so fortunate to have them in Boulder, um, you know, very close to us. Uh, and, and been able to rely on them as resources. So, but yeah, I think that it's one thing the industry is good at, right? They, they do put out the information and, you know, blogs like, like Fred and, you know, Mark Suster and others are, are super helpful to everyone. So, uh, you know, those that do that, uh, we think as well. And finally, what's the best way for listeners to connect with you? Um, I think pretty easy. Um, personal website is davidgcohen.com. Uh, I'm david at techstars.com. If you want to email me, uh, I'm, I'm at David Cohen on Twitter. And I'm, I'm not hard to find. If, if, uh, if you can't find me online, uh, you, you're probably not trying very hard. So well, I'll bet you to do that. <laughs> well, David, I, w- I was really looking forward to getting a chance to connect and, and do this interview today. I appreciate you sharing your time. And uh, I hope you had a, a great Father's Day uh, with your three kids. <laughs> I did, Nick, and congrats on, on your, your new one. Uh, I know it was your, your first, right? Appreciate that, yeah. It was my first Father's Day, yeah. And thanks for doing this. Uh, this is a valuable resource for everybody. Thanks awesome. for having me on. Well, thanks so much, David. Have a good one. All right, that'll wrap up today's interview. If you enjoyed the episode or a previous one, let the guests know about it. Share your thoughts on social or shoot them an email. Let them know what particularly resonated with you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that some of the smartest folks in venture are willing to take the time and share their insights with us. If you feel the same, a compliment goes a long way. Okay, that's a wrap for today. Until next time, remember to over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks so much for listening.